in the here and now, I see the good growing everywhere like fields of wildflowers. And though the past is gone, brokenness lingers like a ghost in the house of my soul. Still, my hope for the future lies in the scarred hands of my Redeemer, the one who is making all things whole and all things new. The good, the broken, the future. When I look with him, I see them all. I see with mature love. I see all three, always commingled. To be up here speaking with you this morning. Uh, if I haven't met you, I'm Pastor Benjamin, and uh, so glad you're here. So this is a brand new series, and that's always fun to kick off a brand new series. So co-mingled, that's a funny word. Kids, is that a funny word? Co-mingled. If you say it too many times, it gets weirder and weirder. Co-mingled, co-mingled. But we're talking about that verb mingle, right? Mingle. Have you heard of that? It means to mix together, right? Mix together. So um, kids, have you ever helped make a cake or maybe you made it on your own and you mix all the ingredients together, right? So that then you can make the cake. So that's like mingling. But when we say co-mingled, what we're talking about is um, mixed together at the same time, but all the pieces are still there. So instead of like making a cake batter, think about it like this. Think about like making a salad. When you make a salad, it's all mixed together. It's all mixed together, but you can still see all the individual pieces. So that's what we mean when we start to say, start to explain co-mingled. But hang on to that thought, and we'll come back around to that. So this is exciting, too. Not only is there a brand new series, but we have a memory verse. We have a memory verse. And we're going to start doing this with all of our series so that we can memorize Scripture together, a lot like our kids do when they're able to go in their classes, but we're going to do that in here all together. So let's put that one up on the screen, Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Now, you know what comes next. You have to say it with me, loud and proud, let them hear you on the live stream. Live stream, just because you're in your living room, doesn't mean you don't have to say it. So everybody together, starting with the scripture reference. One, two, three. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. All right, excellent. So let's start to go ahead and commit that to memory, because when we commit it to memory, then... We can let it work into our hearts. We hide the word in our hearts, right? Okay, so commingled. Um, in our friend Zach Elliott's book and in his teachings and his work, um, he talks about this idea of life, of reality being commingled. And he tells a story. He used to work for a narcotics task force. Um, back in Oregon. 
And part of his job was to go through people's trash, to go through people's garbage, like a police raccoon, I guess, and, and dig through the trash. Uh, but that's unpleasant, right? But also unpleasant was the task of looking for evidence, of looking for drug evidence uh, that could be used in a court of law, right? So that was his job. And sometimes he would find that evidence, but mostly he would find more than that. He would find receipts for diapers and toy packaging. He would find coloring pages. He would find old photos. Though he had to look for the brokenness, the drug evidence in the trash, he would also find the good there too. Evidence of the good and evidence for plans for the future, right there in the garbage. That's what we mean when we say this word commingle. Seeing the good and the broken and the future all at once. Because that's how Jesus sees. Here's another example. One of my favorite YouTube channels is a guy out of Chicago, and what he does is he restores fine art, usually paintings. His name is Julian Baumgartner. And with a name like that, you either restore fine art or you compose classical music, right? So he, he went with a fine art uh, route. So in his videos, he documents in great detail what it takes to restore these paintings. And I love watching this and listening to him talk about it. So they come in, these paintings, with, with layers of old varnish and smoke and dust. And some of the canvases are ripped and torn. We can put it up there. We can, we can go ahead and put it up there. Yeah, like that. All this paint missing, all this wear and tear and grime. But Julian has to take the commingled view. He has to take the commingled view. He sees the good and the essence of that painting. He sees the pieces that are broken, that need to be cleaned and mended. But he also sees what that work of art will look like in the future when he finishes it. Can you see all three here, church? Can you see the good and the broken in the future? That's what we mean when we say commingled. Good, broken, future, all at the same time. Because that's how Jesus sees. Now, before we go any further with the idea of life, of reality being a commingled thing, we need to talk about V3. V3. Now, this is a framework that something that we can overlay over our life of faith as individuals, as a church, and our families to help us to see the way that it all works, okay? And again, this comes from our friend Zach over at V3 um, Ministries that we partner with. So we've mentioned this before, the three Vs. We've mentioned this before, but I invite you, all of you kiddos, all of you to focus in and lean in and pick up this framework, pick up this language, because this has helped us with all the decisions that we make, with everything, 
and it's going to help you too. It's going to give us some language to use together. So, let's take a look at it. Kids, this should be on your notes. So, V3. V3 stands for vision up, vision in, vision out. Vision up, vision in, vision out. And here's what that means. If you have to just boil it down to the most simple definitions, vision up means look to God. Look to God. Vision in means look like God. Look like God on the inside. And vision out means to look with God. With God. Does that make sense? Look to God. Look like God. Look with God. So let's break these three V's down together. Okay, vision up. Vision up. Look to God. Here's what we mean. When the first time that we receive the forgiveness of Jesus, we give our hearts, our lives, our everything to Him, where we receive His Spirit into our hearts and lives and souls, we look up, right? We look to God. And when we do that, we confess. We confess our sins. We confess that He's God and we're not. We confess that we need Him, that we depend on Him, and we embrace the grace and the mercy and forgiveness and love that He's offering, right? And when we do that, when we really do that, there's one response to that. There's one response to that, adoration, worship. We start to love Him back. But there's something we have to understand about visioning up or looking to God. While that's what we did when we first came to God, when we first let Him save us, it's something that we can come back to over and over again in our journey of faith. And here's what I mean by that. See, we've been made holy. We've been made holy, and we're being made holy. That sounds a little funny, doesn't it? We're, we've been made holy, and we're being made holy. And what that means is, because of Jesus, we're seen as holy, but we're not perfect. So we're still being made holy. Hebrews 10, 14 says it like this, For by a single offering, that's Jesus' death on the cross, for a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Do you see how that means we've been made holy, we've been perfected in His sight, but we're also being sanctified. We're also being made holy. So we look to God over and over and over again in prayer, in worship, in stillness, in song, in study, in nature. Alone with others, we look to God. Vision up. You with me? Vision in. Vision in. Vision in comes next. When we look like God, it's because we begin to surrender to His way. His way of seeing, His way of nurturing, His way of transforming us from the inside out. It's like this. A beautiful scenery moves us all, right? You can't look at the beauty of nature, stand on a shoreline 
or look at a mountain vista and not feel something. It moves us, right? We feel small in a good way. We're embraced by that vision of glory and beauty of nature. We feel the glory we worship in that moment. That's like visioning up. But visioning in is something more. It's like when we actually get in a boat and we sail toward that horizon. It's like when we get out of the car and we hike up that mountain. Visioning in is the work. It's the journey. When I retreat to the mountains every year uh, by myself, I have a countdown going. I'm going in November. I think about it every day. I'm already ready. But when I retreat to the mountains, I have to do more than just take in the beauty. I have to do more than look at it. Right? I have to get in there. I have to get on those hills. I have to feel my lungs heave because I'm out of shape and breathe a thin mountain air. And I have to feel my legs burn. And I want to soak my, my shirt with sweat and get my shoes muddy. That's when the mountain actually transforms me. You see? So I can look at it and take in the beauty all day long. But until I go and let that mountain kick my rear, right? That's when it starts to transform me. That's vision in. You see the difference? Looking like God. It's the work of growing, of learning the mind of Christ, of choosing His way every day and following His teaching, letting that teaching transform us. Romans 12, 2 says it like this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's vision in. That's vision in. All right, kids, what's next? Say it. Vision out. Very good. Vision out, we said, means looking with God. Looking with God. And I say up here all the time, all of this all of this is never just for us. It's never just for our benefit. It never stops there. It's never just for our church. The Jesus way is about looking to God so we can begin to look like God so that we can look with God. That's always the point. That's always the point. Inner transformation, church, hear this. Inner transformation is never meant to just change me. Your inner transformation is never meant to just change you. It is to be shared. It is to allow us to be the salt that preserves and the light that illuminates the love of God in this world. Do we see that? That this is all always to be poured out. Is that right, church? But some of you may be thinking, well, hold on. If you pour everything out, because you visioned up, you visioned in, and you vision out, we're going to run out. We're going to run out of energy, right? How do we fill back up? Well, take a look at this on the screen there. V3, this framework, it's never a straight line. 
We can't sustain that, can we? So as we look to Him and begin to transform and look like Him so that we can look out and see the way He sees to look with Him, we're always cycling back up, division up again. This is why we gather, right, church? This is why we sing these songs. It's not just because we like to play instruments or like music, right? It's to vision back up, to declare what's true and good and beautiful about God and what that means for us through song. This is why we gather. This is why we, part of the reason why we go into our house churches, because we're always visioning back up. We're always refilling, refueling so that we can do it over again, be poured out again. So it's a flow. It's a flow. Worshiping, transforming, and loving. Worshiping, transforming, and loving. This is why we have spaces here at Element for all three of those things. And if you start taking inventory in your head of all the spaces we have at Element, you could plug them in to one of those Vs, couldn't you? But what does all of that have to do with the idea of reality of life being commingled? What does all that have to do with the idea of life being commingled? Well, to answer that, we need to focus on visioning out. Visioning out. When we really start to vision out or to look with God, we begin to see, because of our transformation, we begin to see like He sees. We begin to see with what our friend Zach calls mature love. Everybody say mature love. Seeing with mature love, let's put this on the screen. Seeing with mature love means seeing a commingled reality. Seeing a commingled reality means seeing the good, the broken, and the future all at the same time. All at the same time. Now, we don't ignore the broken to focus only on the good, right? It's not like, stay positive, grit your teeth, and force a smile like a kindergartner in a school picture, and try to be positive and ignore the broken. No, we don't ignore the broken to try to focus only on the good. We don't despair in the broken and miss the good. No way. There is always good to be seen. And we don't live outside of the here and now and only focus on the future. Can't do that either. As Tricia spoke about last week, this year has put all of us in a place of being a lot more aware of the good and the broken and the future all at once. Is that true? When you think about this year, we've had to face the brokenness of the world like up close and personal, haven't we? We've had to look for the good to stay positive and keep moving forward. And we've had to keep it all in perspective, knowing that the future is in God's hands. But when we vision out with mature love, we see all three everywhere. And this is how it starts. It starts with noticing. It starts with noticing. When we look with God, we begin to notice 
what we haven't noticed before. Is that true? You start to notice what you haven't noticed before. We start to notice the good all around us. We see the fingerprints of the grace of God all over the place. In pleasure, in beauty, in growth. When we see the miracle of a baby's first smile, that's noticing the good. When we see the kindness of a stranger, as simple as letting someone in in traffic, hey, you go first. You go before me. As simple as that, we begin to notice the good. And when we notice the good, we affirm it. When we see the good, we affirm it. We say it. We say what's good. We put words to it. We call it out. And church, when you call out the good, when you say it, it reminds us that the good is always all around. If we have the eyes to notice, if we slow ourselves, if we practice seeing, noticing the good, we can affirm the good. But when we're looking for the good, when we're intentionally looking for the good, it is inevitable that we will see more than just the good. We will see the broken. We will see what is broken. And you don't have to look far to know that there is brokenness in this world, that there is brokenness in this city, that there is brokenness in this room. We don't have to look far. But when we look with God, church, through the transformation that's come, and then we look with God, what once repulsed us, the brokenness that used to repulse us, if we're honest, now we can begin to actually acknowledge it. We can begin to acknowledge the broken. Disease or viruses or hunger or greed that dehumanizes people, the loss and grief in our daily lives, the shame running rampant, calling the shots in people's hearts, we will see the broken but we will not be repulsed by it. We will acknowledge it. But, as I said a minute ago, we don't despair when we acknowledge the broken. Sometimes it's going to feel like that, but we don't have to own that despair, do we? Instead, we agree with the future. We agree with the future. And if I'm not careful, we might start preaching in here. We agree with the future. We agree with the coming wholeness. We agree that shalom is the trajectory of this cosmos. Is that right? We agree with our Redeemer, the one who's writing the one true narrative of redemption. But let me ask you something, church. Can we stop at simply noticing these things? Can we stop just at affirming the good, acknowledging the broken, and agreeing with the future? Can we stop at noticing, church? No. Stopping at noticing would be like not having seen your child for three months, and when they come home all at once, 
you're overwhelmed and you see them for the first time in three months and you see the good of who they are and you also see that there's brokenness, they've broken their arm while they were away and you also are overwhelmed with the potential of their future that you see in their eyes and then you say, oh, hi, I notice you, I acknowledge that you exist. That would be like stopping at noticing. No, what would we do? We would embrace the child. We would embrace the child. That is what comes after noticing the good, broken, and future. We embrace them. Embracing is a step beyond simply noticing. Noticing is more of a mental activity. It's more of changing our minds to start to see the way God sees. But embracing gets a little more physical. Embracing means stepping toward and into the good and the broken and the future. It means intentionally acting on what we have noticed. Embracing means intentionally acting on what we have noticed as we look at the world with God. So, when we start embracing, we do more than affirm the good. We celebrate the good. We celebrate the good. It's like the father in the story of the prodigal son, right? Kids, some of you may remember that one. So, the younger son asked the father for all the inheritance, all the money he could get, and he went and he wasted it. And he lived a life that did not honor God at all until he was dirty and homeless and hungry. So he came home in shame, just hoping to be a servant at his father's house again. But what did the father do when the son came home? Embraced. Embraced. He celebrated the good. What did they do? They threw a party. Remember that part? They threw a party, and not just any party. They killed the best fatted calf, as they say in the King James, the fatted calf, right? They, they threw a big old bash. He celebrated the good. We don't just affirm the good. Like, oh, that is good. We celebrate it. We act on the good that we see by taking the time to rejoice over it. We share the good in our house churches, right? We share the good in our house churches so that we can rejoice together, like our memory verse says. We throw a party. We celebrate the good. So what does embracing mean for the broken? We can't stop at just acknowledging the broken. To embrace the broken means that we mourn it. We mourn the broken. We don't just acknowledge it, we mourn it. That is, we enter the space of brokenness with others, just like Jesus does. I'll say that again. We enter the space of brokenness with others, just like Jesus does. Remember when Lazarus died? And that was Jesus' friend. And he went and he had to have a talk with Martha because Martha was a head person and he had to talk to her about it. She was kind of mad that he didn't show up earlier. 
But Mary was more of the heart person. She wept. So what did Jesus do? Entered the space of her brokenness and wept with her. He mourned the broken. This means we sit on someone's couch with them in that sacred space of tears, right? That means, this means we allow our hearts to feel their brokenness, to feel their brokenness. And for some of us, that's something we have to learn. And by some of us, I mean myself. I have to learn that. I always say empathy is like a second language for me. I had to learn that language. I had to learn how to not just acknowledge the broken, but step in and mourn the broken with those who have been breaking. This is why we share our brokenness in our house churches, so that we can mourn with those who mourn. Remember the memory verse? So we don't just acknowledge the broken, we mourn the broken. We don't just agree with the future, and that one's exciting, right? Agree with the future, everything's going to be all right. There's about five million songs that say everything's going to be all right. We can agree with the future, but we can't stop there. When we embrace the future, it looks like this. We participate in the future. We participate in the future. That is, we become those agents of shalom. We roll up our sleeves and start to participate in mending what we see that is broken. Because we know where the story ends, we know that the Redeemer is the one writing it. So when we get asked if we round up our change... If we can, we do. Every interaction with a stranger, we view that as an opportunity to reflect God's love to somebody. We foster orphans and support families who do that. We clothe and feed folks that need that. We show up and rally to meet the needs of our city. We don't just agree with the future, we participate in the coming shalom. We don't just agree with the future. We build it. We build it. And we build it according to the architect of redemption. So, let's pause and take stock for just a minute. How are we doing? How are you doing? How are you doing visioning out? How are you doing looking with God? What does it look like in your life to affirm the good, acknowledge the broken, and agree with the future all at the same time? Are we celebrating the good? Are we mourning the broken? Are we participating in the future? check. Plan B, batteries die. That's what they do. So what does this noticing and embracing this way, what does all this produce in us? I think it produces this. 
Gratitude for the good. Compassion for the broken. And hope for the future. It produces mature love. A mature love that doesn't ignore the broken to only focus on the good. Mature love that doesn't despair in the broken and miss all the good. Mature love that doesn't live outside of the here and now to only look to the future. It's a mature love that transforms us from the inside out. Now, with eyes like Jesus, with the mind like Christ, with the heart being transformed, we have in the deepest parts of our souls who we are, gratitude for the good, compassion for the broken, and hope for the future. This is now how we see. This is now how we see when we look to God and worship, when we look like God and vision in and be transformed so that we can vision out and look with God. This is the fruit of that. Gratitude for the good, compassion for the broken, hope for the future. Noticing we do with our minds, with our eyes. Embracing we do with our hands. But loving is who we become. But loving, love, is who we become. It's more than just what we do. Bob Goff puts it like this. Kids, you listening? Young ladies, young men, are you listening to this? Love isn't something we fall into. Love is someone we become. Love is someone we become. We embody it. We say this all the time. This is what following Jesus means. The spirit, the invisible, right? The faith actually finds fertile ground in us and becomes embodied. Just like Jesus embodied the Spirit of God in a person, now we embody the nature of Jesus in us. Not just how we see, not just what we do, but it's who we become. Love is not an accident. It is who we become. The band, you guys can come on back up. So, you remember what I said earlier about my, uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels, right? The, the uh, guy that restores all the paintings. And how he has to see the good and the broken and the future all at once when he looks at these paintings that first come into his workshop. Well, I think one of my favorite paintings that he's worked on is, is there. And it came in, definitely you can see the good, yeah? Can you still see the good? There are good things there. There is beauty there. But we can obviously see the broken. We can see the tears and the old varnish and the dull colors and the missing paint. But can you see the future? 
Can you see the coming wholeness of this painting? Let's see it. The good and the broken and the future. That is how we start to see reality. That's how we start to see life when we look with God. The good, the broken, and the future. Let's pray. Oh, God, help us to see all three all the time. Teach us to see like Jesus sees. Teach us to see with mature love. Cultivate in us affirmation and celebration and gratitude for the good. Allow our hearts to feel the holy breaking as we acknowledge and mourn and feel compassion for the broken. And raise up an unshakable hope as we agree with our Redeemer's plan for the wholeness of shalom, as we participate in the coming redemption of all things made new. Amen.